Hey, what's up? Like, totally time for 90210. Well, hello, everybody. It's Mark, just me, on the 90210 show. No Carol uh, this time. Because I'm here to tell you that back in 1994, we began watching, well, Carol began watching the 90210 show. And we talked about a few episodes at the end of season four. And now we are here to present you those episodes again. For those of you that missed it, it was on the regular the regular show, Massive Late Fee, which you can hear every week. <laughs> we, we did uh, some 90210 shows. I believe we did, I want to say like seven episodes towards the end of the season, six, seven episodes towards the end of the season. Those will all be presented here uh, today uh, as separate episodes, but they're all coming out at the same time. There are no real intros to the show, which is why we're recording this, to kind of let you know what's going on. Next week, we'll be back with the season premiere of Season 5, and we will continue our 90210 journey. But we wanted to kind of restore and preserve these episodes. As you'll hear, at first, it was just Carol talking about the show and sort of describing it to me. Then as we went along, we got more and more into it, which is why we started, ended up doing the show as a a separate thing. Uh, So here they are and enjoy. (laughs) I watched shows this week. What'd you watch? I watched 90210 and it was awesome. Okay. Was it dumb? No, it was not. It was very highbrow and enjoyable college humor well i didn't watch this episode with you because i was playing basketball uh-huh so so i'll have to fill you in yeah and and everyone else listening yeah so hopefully none of you have seen it but hopefully all of you have seen it because it's great but you know well hopefully yeah hopefully you've seen it because you'll have to wait till the summer to see it again so brent the episode starts off with brenda in the library and um, that's Shannon Doherty. Yes. In a library. Yes. All right. This isn't the first time she's been in the library. So she plays against type on this show. Apparently. What are you trying to? First, you're insulting me. Now you're insulting Shannon Doherty. I am insulting everyone today. Yeah. Is it your time of the month? Wow. Well, I think our cycles are synced. So. <laughs> hey. Anyway. So she's in the library, and she's looking on microfilm, like, reading up about a director. It's kind of weird. It's like you're seeing everything she's looking at. Like, what kind of class is she looking this up for? Well, she's not. She is looking this up because she's going to audition for Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. The Tennessee Williams play. Yeah. And apparently there's this director that's, like, known for discovering, you know, new young talent and... She's going to be auditioning for him, and she wanted to know all about him. I don't understand her thought process on that. Like, knowing the director shouldn't really affect how you perform in an audition. Let me ask a question. He's known for discovering new young talent. Is there a couch in his audition? (laughs) Well, you know, he's actually quoted for having said that he wishes that there was a bedroom attached to his theater. There you go. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense. So I don't think she really needs to know him unless she's talking about the biblical sense <laughs> in order to get discovered. But yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. 
I mean, maybe... I think what would be helpful is knowing what he looks for, which you're not going to find in microfilm stories, really. Right. She, I think it would be better if she talked to other people that auditioned for him or worked with him and ask them about his likes and dislikes as far as actresses go. Right. And, you know, she actually, on top of this, does kind of get that same opportunity because she physically runs into him in a coffee shop. And um, What a small world. Right. In the one week that she's thinking about auditioning, she happens to run into him. <laughs> well, he's not even usually in town, I don't think, but so it's even weirder. But, um, so he... Was this at the Peach Pit? No, it was at a coffee shop. Okay. I think. Now I'm questioning myself. Maybe it was the Peach Pit. Yeah, because the girls were there. Yeah, maybe it was, it was the Peach Pit. Anyway. <laughs> um, he They're, like, flirting with each other, and, like, he's, like, smiling at her and following her with his eyes after they've run into each other. But while they're talking... Um, he, he tells her that he thinks that the part should be played as, um, a dangerous, desperate woman. Okay. So, um, you know, I mean, to get, to get that kind of... I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, because she's auditioning for Maggie? Yeah. Yeah. I figured. And, um, she goes over and her friends are like, oh, I think you scored, because he's just staring after her and stuff. So, you know, you get the impression that something's going to happen there with them. Well, she asks Kelly to... Actually, Kelly offers to read with her to help her study. And while they're reading, there's this smaller part, and uh, Brenda says she thinks Kelly's doing a really good job with it, and she should audition for the smaller part. Kelly's all like, oh, I don't have much theater experience, I don't know, blah, 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 not my scene. But she talks her into coming to auditions with her. Obviously a mistake. Right. I can see where this is going. Right. So... Plus, she, Kelly doesn't have the same fucked up teeth as Brenda does. <laughs> no, Kelly, I mean, I think they're both attractive, but I think Kelly's a little bit more attractive than Brenda. Yeah, um, I guess. She's the blonde one, right? Yeah. And she she wanders in late. Okay. And you can tell he's looking at her just the way he was looking at Brenda when she walks in. And so she is the last one to audition. When he says next, Brenda's already gone. She gets up and walks out of the theater. He follows her out of the theater and asks her, you know, where are you going? You've waited all day, you know. <laughs> Aren't you going to audition? And she's like, I'm, I'm just too nervous. I can't do it. And blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I've been waiting all day to hear you read. And um, he talks her into coming back in. And apparently, we find out later in the episode, they go out for cappuccino afterwards. After she auditions? Mm-hmm. There's no casting director or anything else in this audition? Well, no, there's a, a stage uh, manager was with him. Wait, this is for a play? Yeah. Okay. I was thinking this was for a movie. No. I guess, yeah, that makes more sense, I suppose, for a play. But usually I would think you'd have the director, I guess maybe not a casting director, that's more of a Hollywood movie thing i believe yeah no this but is just yeah stage manager some of the other crew people will mm -hmm. probably be there i would imagine yeah the, the way that it gets found out that she went out with him afterwards is because of the crew is talking to people and you know mentioned it that he's like her number one runner so brenda calls her 
And all she says is, oh, sorry, I didn't call you back last night. It was so late when I got home from rehearsal, I just went right to sleep. Does not tell her anything that's happened. That he got her to read for Maggie, even though that's not what she was originally auditioning for or anything. Brenda goes to look at callback list and finds that her, Kelly, uh, one other girl that we'll get into in a minute that we know, and two other people are, are in line for that part. So Okay. So they're now against each other out of five. Um, and then that's when she finds out because somebody tells her about the cappuccino and stuff. And they're like, hey, if you have friends like that, who needs enemies? Interesting. Especially because she was actually telling her dad earlier in the episode how Kelly's really trying to uh, maintain their friendship. Is Kelly's the one that's dating her ex-boyfriend? Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of history here. Yeah. This is this is not good. Um. So this other girl... This, this girl, now there's some big backstory that I don't know and I wish I did, but apparently she accused um, Steve, Ian Ziering's character, of date rape a long time ago. That's the only way he'd get laid. <laughs> and um, so she's also auditioning for this play. She's the, one of the other ones that makes it. And he's walking down the hall and hears somebody screaming, you know, help me and stuff. So he busts into the room and it's her room and she's just reading lines and she's like, what are you doing here? And then somehow, even though they they admit they've been avoiding each other and all this stuff, they, they end up, like, talking. He's just busted in her room while she's in her pajamas reading. She's accused him of date rape in the past, and somehow this turns into a, hey, let me help you. So he's going to help her study the lines for this. So he's both ugly and dumb. Right? Like, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near her. No, that, that I, I agree. I mean, granted, though, there's probably a lot more to the story that we don't know because, you know, I stopped watching. You'll have to catch up during the summer. Right. So, and then, I mean, it looks like something's going to happen with them because, like, when they're reading lines, there's, like, this really, like, heavy scene where, you know, I have, I'll be honest, I like Tennessee Williams. I want to read this play now because I have never read it. And um, I've read it. I've seen it performed. Okay. Because she's, like, all over him, like, about to kiss him and stuff. And, um, you know, I have no idea what's going on, but it seems like, like it would be good. Did you enjoy it? It's an interesting play. See, I didn't know what it meant, but it seems like it's a cat in heat. Yes, basically, yes, correct. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't. And it's subtextual, but the man she's married to is gay. Okay. The, the guy that plays the male part, I cannot remember his name uh, for the life of me. But he, it's, it's, like I said, it's subtextual. It's not overt, but it's clear that he's not interested in her sexually because he's, he's gay and he is closeted and won't admit it. So sad. Yeah. That's part of what the play's about. So she's just dying for somebody to have sex with her because her husband won't? Basically, yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on there, and you can't really tell if it's just her being in the character or what, but he's obviously, like, freaked out because she's all over him and stuff. So we'll see what happens there. Um, what else we have? Oh, Brendan. So the, Brendan and Brenda and Brandon's parents go out of town, and so Brenda is house-sitting across the street for the couple that go with them. So she's by herself in the house across the street, and Brandon has this house to himself. 
his like the what is it, a chancellor of the university i didn't i didn't even know chancellor was a thing outside of like star wars <laughs> yes uh in certain universities it's called the university president in i that i think this is how it works i'm wildly speculating here okay but i believe that in certain universities i think it's a difference between public and private it's a university president. It's basically the, the head administrator of the university. And in, in certain other universities, it's chancellor. It's the same thing, I believe. Okay. Uh, because, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's how it goes. Because I don't think it's like a regent. Like here in Michigan, for the University of Michigan and Michigan State University, there's a president and then there's regents, which is basically the members of the board. And they are who help administer the school. Whether it's the athlete, you know, it, handling the athletic programs, like they'll they'll hire and fire the athletic director, who's the head of the athletic department, and then make decisions about faculty as well on the education side. Uh, they help regulate fraternities, just a bunch of different things that have to do with living in college. Whether mm-hmm. it's making deals with places that want to have businesses there, like eateries in their, you know, lunch area for people that live on campus, stuff like that. And I believe president and chancellor are the same thing. Okay. If not, then chancellor would be equivalent to regent for us here. So a member of the board. But either way, a member of the administrative team for the the school. Okay. So Brandon is working for the chancellor of the university. Mm Mm-hmm. And he has this giant thing he gives him to read, and he wants him to... Which one's Brandon? Brenda's brother, uh, Jason Priestley. Okay. And um, Brandon says, well, I'm going to have the whole house to myself this weekend. You know, that's all I'll be doing. I'll get it taken care of. Because he wants him to read it and write him a report, basically condensing this information down. Gotcha. Chancellor's daughter is obsessed with Brandon. She just turned 18, because she, at one point earlier in the episode... <laughs> Mentions that she's 18? Yeah, she she says, there's no longer jailbait written on my forehead. That's what she says to him, because apparently there was some background here. And she's trying to get him to go out with her, and he's like, no, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> so she overhears this conversation and knows he's by himself. She shows up at his door with an overnight bag. What a presumptuous little skank. Yeah, that is presumptuous. <laughs> And he lets her in. Of course he does. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. It's like delivery. You know, turn that down. But here's the thing. He spends the entire time telling her, you can't stay, you can't stay, I'm busy, I want to get this report done for your dad, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that is mixed messaging. Right. She tells him that she has nowhere to go because she has lied to her father and said she's going to a friend's house, and this friend is with a guy of her own. So he's like, fine, you stay down here. I'm going upstairs to work on this report. In the mansion they live in, right? They live in a mansion, It's a pretty big house, but not a mansion. But they still live at home. They commute to school? Yeah. They don't live on campus. Yeah, they live at home. Okay. So then she uh, comes in his room wearing a nightie. What do their parents do? I don't know. I think the dad's like a lawyer or something. Okay. And the mom's dead? No, mom's there. I don't I don't think she does anything. Where are they this weekend? Um, they 
bid for charity on some vacation deal that the neighbors are going with them for. So they're doing that. Okay, so they're off to a swingers retreat with the neighbors. Right. <laughs> so, so just we have to put more sex into this episode somehow. Right. So she comes in in a nighty, and he is, you know, telling her, no, 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 leave, 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 blah, blah, blah. She handcuffs herself to his bed. What the hell? Right? I mean, she's like hell-bent on getting this guy. And he's like, okay, you want to sleep in here? Go ahead. Turns the light off and walks out of the room. Does he take the key? Oh, no. He asked her where the key was. And she's like, somewhere on me, you're going to have to find it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he, he he does not sleep with her. She's pulling out all the stops. Right? What does she look like? She's very hot. Okay. I'm impressed. <laughs> I guess. Wait, you just think he's stupid? So he can save himself for you? What what impresses you <laughs> about about this? Well, just the fact that he has the willpower to, you know, stick to his morals and turn her down. Only on TV. Probably. But, I mean, if he really cares so much about what her dad thinks, and she's still in high school, you know? She's 18, though. But still in high school. How old is he? Like, 20? Yeah, something like that. Eh. And, um, anyway, I mean, she just says, you know, she really likes him and kisses him goodbye in the morning, and that's the end of that. But So nothing really happened there, except that he has iron testicles. And he got his reading done. One would assume, but he he said he, he was very distracted, so. So that's that's pretty much the episode, except it leaves off on this cliffhanger where we don't know what's going to happen with this part of Maggie, and I can't wait for next week to find out who gets it. All right, so I guess tune in next week to see who plays Maggie and Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. <laughs> and maybe hear my um, review of Cat in a Hot Tin Roof.